Welcome back to the Psychology Digest. As part of an enlightening podcast network, we're here to ignite your curiosity and inspire continuous learning. Join us as we explore the vast universe of psychology, unveiling a new hand-picked, bite-sized gem of journalism in each episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Blogcast, your personalized audio feed available on iPhone and Android. In today's episode, we explore a fascinating phenomenon that occurred during the devastating 2004 tsunami. While the disaster claimed the lives of over 230,000 humans, it left virtually no animals dead. Join us as we delve into the reasons behind this stark contrast and uncover the powerful lessons it teaches us about survival. From the resilience of wildlife to the intricate instincts that guide their actions, this story sheds light on the remarkable adaptability of our fellow creatures. So without further ado, let's dive in! Why the 2004 tsunami killed 230,000 humans, but virtually no animals? A powerful lesson about survival and more. Written and read by Bernhard Kutzler. On December 26, 2004, a tsunami in the Indian Ocean killed about 230,000 people, while virtually no animals died. They fled to higher ground before the water arrived. Follow me as I propose and justify the most logical explanation for this and similar phenomena and what we can learn from it. I explain why this indicates that you were born with the potential of clairvoyance and at the end of this blogcast, I suggest some exercises with which you can start reactivating this potential. Among the explanations attempted is that the animals sensed the shaking of the earth caused by the earthquake that triggered the tsunami. The earthquake occurred up to 6,000 miles away. Any truck on a nearby road sends out more vibrations than what is left of an earthquake after such a distance. But sensing alone is not enough. Could you infer the cause of a tremor of the ground and know if you need to flee and in which direction? And there are many other phenomena for which there is no satisfactory scientific explanation. My favorite example is one of the most puzzling migration phenomena on this planet. The annual migration of some North American populations of the monarch butterfly. They fly up to 2,100 miles from Canada to Mexico. When winds are unfavorable, they stop, rest and wait for a wind that carries them where they need to go. How is this possible? There are more fascinating behaviors of non-human life forms, such as animals leave their territory to find a new one when the old one no longer provides sustenance. Migratory birds fly long distances to spend the winter. They leave at the right time, find their destination, fly back at the right time and find their home. Schools of fish, flocks of birds, herds of mammals and colonies of insects often behave like a single organism. Dogs wait at the front door for their owner before they can possibly hear, see or otherwise sense the owner's arrival. Horses and other animals react to the thoughts of their riders and trainers, and they anticipate approaching bad weather. Plants grow new protection tools in response to new predators in their territory. 
Paramecia find each other for conjugation. Seeds know which direction to grow. Usually, scientists study a single phenomenon and try to find a theory that explains it. Popular explanation attempts include sunlight and electromagnetism. But even if you had this information, could you make sense of it? I offer a simple explanation for the above and other phenomena. Animals, plants and cells know. Before I explain what exactly I mean by know, follow me with a thought experiment. Imagine that you have gotten married. You and your spouse are on a honeymoon in a luxurious beach hotel in Sri Lanka. It's Sunday morning. You wake up with the desire to visit the famous royal city Candy in the heartland of Sri Lanka. You kiss your partner awake and suggest going to Candy. Your partner sleepily replies, I don't feel like it today. Let's have a massage and then enjoy the beach. We'll go to Candy tomorrow. You agree, but you will never see Candy. It's December 26, 2004, and in a few hours a tsunami will flood the hotel and kill everyone. Like all animals, you had the impulse to get to safety. But you preferred to spend the day with your spouse instead of following that impulse. Something inside you knew that you needed to leave the coast. It showed up as a desire to go to Candy, but you ignored this desire slash impulse. It works the same with animals. Their advantage over us is that they don't ignore it. What exactly does it mean to know? An archaic synonym for the word know is wit, which has the root wide, which means to see. So to know means to see. It is aptly used to denote seeing in a broader sense than just visual, including any sensory perception as well as seeing slash perceiving something imaginary. To make one thing clear, knowing is a subjective experience and, per se, has nothing to do with truth. Everything we hear is an opinion, not a fact. Everything we see is a perspective, not the truth. Marcus Aurelius You have four kinds of knowings. Knowing that today is this or that day of the week is a rational knowing. It is a thought produced by the mind. There are three types of non-rational knowings, one sensory and two non-sensory. Knowing that it is cold is a sensory knowing. It is called a feeling and is a perception of the state of your body, which comprises the electromagnetic state of the brain and nervous system and the physicochemical state of the organs and tissues. I explain feelings in more depth in my blogcast, Emotions are not the same as feelings. There are two types of non-sensory knowings, personal and non-personal. Knowing that someone or something that you encounter has been in your life before without being able to recall further details is a personal non-sensory knowing. It is called familiarity. Familiarities result from the life history. They arise when patterns of experiences are repeated. The more often you experience the pattern, such as seeing an object or hearing a sound, or the more significant an experience is, such as an accident, the more prominent the pattern is in your life history. 
The more prominent the pattern is, the more familiar you are with it. The more familiar you are with the pattern, the stronger the automatism or compulsion to act according to that pattern. Knowing that you should leave the coast having no further information, as in the thought experiment, is a non-personal, non-sensory knowing. It is called intuition. This word originates from Latin in, which means in, into, and tuary, which means to look at. It is a perception of something in the external world, such as an approaching danger, that is not based on the five physical senses and is, therefore, often called the sixth sense. All in all, you experience four types of knowings, thoughts, feelings, familiarities, and intuitions. Every person has all four types of knowings at the same time, and often they conflict with each other. As an example, let's analyze the thought experiment. You woke up with the intuition flee, which showed up as the desire to take a trip to candy. But when your spouse did not follow your suggestion, you silenced your intuition with your desire to be with your spouse, which is based on your familiarity of togetherness, or with a rational argument such as, on my honeymoon I must stay with my spouse. Surely, your spouse also intuited the danger, but the impulse was not strong enough to surface in a recognizable form. Thoughts, feelings, and familiarities are strongly influenced by the programs that control us. I describe these programs in my blogcast, The Necessity and Magic of Asking What Am I? Intuition is not influenced by them and therefore provides access to truth. But the challenge is to distinguish intuition from the other knowings and to trust it. Back to the 2004 tsunami and other behaviors of non-human life forms. The simple explanation is that all life forms have all three types of non-rational knowings and behave accordingly. First, they have feelings, that is, they perceive the state of their body. For example, they feel pain. Second, they experience familiarities. There is a video on the internet where you can see a tiger joyfully hugging a man. Many years ago, when the tiger was a baby, this man lovingly cared for it. Therefore, the tiger experiences a familiarity with its former keeper. It is said that elephants remember people who have hurt them. This has the same explanation. In such a case, the elephant has a negative familiarity with its former tormentor. Third, they intuit dangers, such as an approaching tsunami, food sources, or anything else that is important for their survival, as long as it is compatible with the general symbiosis of all life forms. For example, not every zebra intuits every approaching lion because otherwise the lions would starve. Animals in the wild do not have programs that would suppress truthful behavior. This can change when humans get involved. Here is an example. Animals intuitively know that fire is dangerous. That's why they run away from fire. But a lion can be trained to jump through a hoop of flames. Since there is no scientific model for intuition, it is usually dismissed as unscientific. But think about this disingenuousness. 
If science has a theory for a phenomenon, it is considered scientific. If it does not have a theory, because no one has an idea how to explain it, it is often considered unscientific or pseudoscientific. I found a model that explains intuition, which I developed according to best scientific practice. I discovered a fabric that is everywhere and beyond. This fabric is the basis of knowing. Knowing means participating in this fabric. I explained the fabric, how to find it, and what participation means in my blogcast, Thoughts Are Not Products of the Brain, and in my book, Consciousness, Its Nature, Purpose, and How to Use It. The word clairvoyance is of French origin and comes from clair, which means clear, and voyant, which means seeing. So clairvoyance means to see clearly. Clairvoyance is defined as the ability to receive information through non-sensory perception. This is exactly what we called intuition above. Clairvoyance is simply a refined form of using intuition as a tool. Clairvoyance is sometimes mistakenly thought of as the ability to predict future events. Divination is the correct term for it. Telepathy is an aspect of clairvoyance. It involves the transmission of information from one life form to another without using physical interaction or known sensory channels. Animals, plants, and cells are clairvoyant. Fish that form a school communicate with each other through telepathy. Horses reacting to the thoughts of their riders and plants following the thoughts of their owners use telepathy. Animals fleeing an approaching tsunami are clairvoyant. Non-human life forms are not conscious, therefore they perform these skills unknowingly. Since humans are animals, we must have the same skills. Indeed, it would be illogical if such phenomena existed in non-human animals, but not in humans. The challenge for us humans is simply to develop our innate clairvoyant potential and to use it consciously. The thought experiment about the honeymoon showed where the difficulty lies. You were born with the potential of clairvoyance. Most likely, you had clairvoyant experiences when you were a child, but the adults around you told you that this was not real. So, it was buried before you could develop it into a useful and reliable tool. Here are two exercises you can use to get started again. Exercise 1. Perform experiments with pets or plants. Talk to them loudly or quietly and imagine that they are listening. Give them clear instructions. Exercise 2. Observe yourself throughout the day. Find situations of synchronicity, such as the phone rings and you know who is calling before you pick up the phone. Or you set an alarm clock or a timer and look at it seconds before it goes off. A general approach to accessing your clairvoyant potential is to free yourself from the programs that control you. I explain how to do this in my blogcast, The Seven-Step Method to Become What You Truly Are, and in my book, Being Free, Get Out of the Box. Blogcast. If you enjoyed this, you may also like our other podcasts. 
the Productivity Digest, the Self-Improvement Digest, the Life Digest, and Daily Science News. Stay curious, stay inspired, and thanks for listening.